Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, my brand new book it's for pre-order right now. It's called Gut Feelings. You can learn more about our clinical work, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, the books. There's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, I'm giving away free signed books if you head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. And you can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you can screenshot your Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, my team and I will be going and picking winners from the Apple Podcast reviews, as well as the messages on Instagram and I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book that you want and I'll send it out to you. I'll sign it and send it out to you. You can pick whichever one you want. So good luck. You know, at the end of every regular episode, when I'm talking to one of my friends in wellness, I'll answer one of your health questions and ask me anything. And then we have a separate format on the podcast where we have entire episodes devoted to your burning health questions in Ask Me Anything episodes. And then the third format, the third different type of episode that we have on The Art of Being Well are this special series that we're going to do right now, the newest episode of this series. It is mental health is physical health. It is a central part to our work with our patients around the world and really empowering them and educating them with labs and tools to really show them how mental health isn't separate from physical health. Mental health is physical health. And our brain is a part of our body. And we're really showcasing and highlighting and getting a deep dive. We've been asked over the years since we've been online and certainly since the art of being well has been around, hey, can you really explain to us what do you do for somebody with and then fill in the blank? So I wanna show you 
And in these episodes, each one, so go back to listen to previous ones if you haven't, where each episode we're getting very granular and detailed on a specific thing. So maybe we'll cover mycotoxins or mold toxins in one episode or SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth in one or histamine intolerance and mast cell activation in another one or Epstein-Barr virus in another one. So that's what the format of this is, but it's mental health is physical health. So with me on this journey, I have someone from my clinical team here to represent the physical health and the mental emotional health, to see that duality, that bi-directional relationship between our thoughts and emotions and our physical health, and then vice versa. And then to parlay that into the newest book that I have, Gut Feelings, it's gut, physical, and feelings, the mental, emotional, spiritual. And that's really what I'm expounding upon in Gut Feelings. Definitely check it out right now. It's for pre-order. Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist, wrote the foreword of the book. And it's just a further continuation of this conversation of how mental health is physical health. So on the physical side, the clinical measurable side, let's say that, is Andrea, who's clinical management of the clinic here. She's a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. What's up, Andrea? Hello. That's me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I've been here a long time. This is enjoyable for me. I like talking about this stuff. She's ready to nerd out on all the functional medicine stuff. And then on the feeling side, the mental, emotional, spiritual side, we have Candice. What's up? Hey. Hi, everybody. So Candice, want to give people a little bit of a background on your work? Yeah. So I am an emotional health and wellness coach. That's one role that I play, but I also am a patient experience coordinator here and I uh, oversee and help out the teams integrate. How do we put this mental health is physical health into practice at the clinic and making sure that's continuous across every, mm -hmm. every patient experience that we have. I love that. So for these conversations, the disclaimer, the caveat is there are a lot of variables to consider. So we're going to talk about one specific thing and what the research shows to be beneficial on both the physiological and the psychological side, but realize that these things don't happen in a vacuum. And there's a lot of other clinical aspects to consider that give rise to it. But, you know, every episode, you're going to learn something different. In today's conversation, we're going to talk very specifically and granularly about glyphosate, all about glyphosate. What is it? How does it impact your health? How do you know if you have high glyphosate? And what are some things you can do both on a physiological and a psychological thing to support your, whether your brain, your nervous system, your mood, your healing journey. So these are all tools to consider to put into your toolbox. So let me, let me define this first clinically. This is something that we see on labs all the time for patients. And many people don't even know this is accumulated in their body and why they should even care. So glyphosate is actually the world's mostly widely produced herbicide. It's an herbicide that is found in more than 700 different products for agriculture, farming, basically, and forestry to people using it in their yards, in their homes, right? It was introduced in the 1970 to kill weeds by targeting the enzymes that produce the amino acid, tyrosine, tryptophan, and phenylalanine. Usage of glyphosate has been since amplified after the introduction of GMOs, genetically modified organisms. And that's most of our modern farming has, it's ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. It's ubiquitous to see the amount of modern ag, big ag, and the use of either Roundup ready seeds or the spraying of Roundup in our um, food that we're eating, which is sad. 
And it's disproportionately in the United States versus other yes. countries, even though that's increasingly becoming less, the chasm is decreasing, sadly. But even now, the United States is the leader in this toxic burden that we are consuming. So how we would quantify this on a lab is through urine tests. Glyphosate, this herbicide can be measured in the body coming out in our urine. And how many times, can Andrea, do we see that uh, there's an accumulation of high levels of glyphosate in somebody's body and they're dealing with different health problems? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say often there's a reason we run this lab. I mean, how does that is in and of itself a reason to look at it. And there's a median. Obviously, we know people are living a life in a world in a in the United States where this is something that's prominent. You're not going to go out to eat and be able to say, so tell me about your non-GMO, glyphosate-free rice that you have on your menu. So we're going to come in contact. I think our goal is to understand is how is the body clearing this? Is this something that's getting stored and in what amount? So you want to remove the sourcing as much as possible, but then you also want to figure out if it is in high levels, why, and what do we do to remove that, but then mm -hmm. also help with the clearing mechanisms of it. So that's where the testing really comes mm -hmm. into play because it's a static point with, that we can remeasure to see how the body is responding to clearing this. Mm -hmm. And that's one area that we look at. And it's estimated shockingly that a, approximately 2.3 million tons in the United States, over 10 million tons worldwide of Roundup is being used currently. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's insane and it's impacting, I mean, what? It, why is it being used? It's an herbicide and also it's acts as an antibiotics. You can imagine what that could be doing if you're consuming it in low amounts on a daily basis and the accumulative effect that can have on our gut microbiome specifically. You're talking about upwards of a hundred trillion bacteria and this microbiome evolved with us over a long period of time. And you're dealing with the decimation of the human microbiome, which is in turn intimately connected to our soil microbiome and the impact that's having on our farming and that's food that we're eating. So the soil microbiome, and we've talked about this in past episodes, go listen to my conversation with Molly Chester, a regenerative farmer, Dr. Zach Bush, who's really up to date as far as the research is concerned, if you want further conversations about this, but it's really about the decimation of our soil microbiome and the foods that we grow and the animals that eat that food as well. And then obviously the connection with our gut microbiome, which impacts our immune system, 75% yep. of our immune system. My patients are oftentimes asking me, what are some convenient grab and go healthy, clean snacks they can have and something that I've loved for a long time is Go Macro. New year, new goals for all of us, right? Start off the year strong and snack healthy with Go Macro's delicious macro bars. Each macro bar is loaded with delicious organic ingredients and plant-based goodness to keep you fueled throughout your day. Not only does Go Macro make delicious bars, they also make a positive change towards a better planet. Go Macro has partnered with TerraCycle, to create a national recycling program for macro bar wrappers. Once collected, TerraCycle processes the wrappers back into raw material that can be used to make items like park benches, playgrounds, and deck material. I love that stuff. I love the innovation here. Join Go Macro as they help make a better future for our planet by going to terracycle.com and signing up for a free account. 
These bars are available in 16 full-size mouth-watering flavors and five kid flavors too. And if you have a food allergy, food sensitivity, or dietary restriction, Go Macro offers three delicious nut-free flavors, if you can't have nuts, including oatmeal chocolate chip, maple sea salt, and sunflower butter plus chocolate. Check out these flavors. Get your hands on a delicious plant-based protein bar by going to gomacro.com and using promo code WILLCOLE for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. That's gomacro.com, G-O-M-A-C-R-O.com, gomacro.com. Use promo code WILLCOLE, all one word, for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. And if we're going to talk about gut feelings, there's the gut-brain axis that's going to be directly impacted by your microbiome. Yeah. That's just in research. It literally, I mean, the World Health Organization has even come out and said that glyphosate is a probable carcinogen. And we know what that means. It causes cancers. But beyond that, we know it can trigger autoimmune disease. How does autoimmune disease impact the gut-brain microbiome? The immunological implications of that in and of itself can trigger depression And I mean, there's even a PubMed study that I was reading about. It's really sad when we talk about this topic of mental health, because you do have to think about the very real things that can come from someone who's unable or doesn't know how to address their mental health. And when you're thinking about suicide rates and who are the top professions that are within this demographic and what we see within the top 10 most common jobs with the highest suicide rate is farmers and Mm. farmers are within the top 10. And when you dig a little deeper beyond that, because we all service level or they must be stressed, the economy. And uh, yeah, you're right. There's a million different factors. And, but what we're talking about here today is specific studies. And there's a PubMed study that actually shows that even a small amount of pesticide in a short period of time can create prolonged irritability. So if you're thinking about long-term exposure to glyphosate, we know it can impact how the body is responding and it can trigger that depression. Mm -hmm. And that's a very real thing. And then if we think about that beyond the farmers, like you mentioned, the animals that are eating this, the people that are eating this, these people are just having more direct contact and it is directly correlated to their mental health. Yeah, there was a recent study published in the journal Neuroinflammation that found that glyphosate was just to echo what Andrea is saying, that glyphosate is able to pass through the blood-brain barrier, this protective sheath around our brain, infiltrating our brain tissue. And that exposure results in increased levels of a pro-inflammatory cytokine called TNF-alpha. So I talk about this research in gut feelings as well, but the fact that you were able to, in just standard conventional research right now of how glyphosate is actually raising neuroinflammation and how we know neuroinflammation is associated with things like anxiety and depression and irritability and brain fog and mood disorders like Andrea is mentioning. So let's talk about some physical things that people can do to let's, well, first of all, run labs to see what's going on, right? They want to get their glyphosate and we run these labs for people around the world. So go to drwillcore.com if you want us to run this lab, but let's just say, okay, glyphosate levels are high what should, what are some things people can do food-wise, supplement-wise, biohacking-wise to start clearing this stuff out? Well, I do want to point out one thing real quick. So with testing, obviously we want to test the glyphosate, but I think it should be said that there are other toxins and other herbicides that can have similar properties to glyphosate. I would recommend 
a tier testing of looking at more than just one thing. So we, we do a talk screen and it looks at different things that you can become exposed to. And from a clinical standpoint, what we're going to do, obviously we can work with diet, the nutritional part of it, supplements, all that, but also removing the source. We talk about mold and mold toxicity and those types of biotoxins, but I think this is important. Glyphosate can be absorbed through the skin, through our food, through our environment. I mean, it's something that we need to be very cognizant of and what we're exposing ourselves to. And it can be in our drinking water even. And most people, I use a filter. I'm like, your fridge filter is not the filter we're talking about. And I love that you're thinking about it. I love that you're doing that you can't do better if you don't know better. So we're here to help you with those aspects of it. But I would say removing the source is a big thing as a clinician and looking at those different things and water testing, I think is wildly underdone because they're like, I have public water system. If it's well water and I live near a farm, I could see it, but I can't tell you how many patients we just had a patient recently. It was off the charts high. And then we get our water report back from a, it's literally 15 minutes from us where we're at right now. And it's through the roof. It's, it's actually scary. And her whole family came back positive with glyphosate. So that's going to be a big step for them is figuring out how to filter their water and using carbon filters and all the things that they have to do. So I'd say removing the source is one of the things, not necessarily nutritionally, but that's going to be the first source. And looking at the foods beyond water supply, the biggest offenders for glyphosate residue, any GMO product. So that's soy, canola oil, all the like corn. The industrial seed oils, corn and then corn oil, cotton, cotton seed oil, any vegetable cooking oil. These are really most of the time, unless they're organic, they're going to be really high levels of, or they could be contaminated with residue of glyphosate. Let's just be accurate with that. Again, we're talking about cumulative effects, even if it's low levels of this, if you're consuming this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for years of your life, low levels over time is really what we're talking about here. Bread, obviously using the grain here. Beer. Oh, yes. Sorry, not sorry. Sugar, (laughs) chickpeas, lentils, a lot of things that are big ag crops can be. So really go organic whenever you can. Look at the environmental working group that updates it every year for the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. For the, the clean 15 are the 15 fruits and vegetables that are less likely to have high levels of herbicides and pesticides on it. So you can, you know, if you want to save money or if you don't have access to organic, just rinse those off. The dirty dozen or the four, the dirty dozen are going to be the 12 most likely fruits and vegetables to have higher levels of herbicides and pesticides. So go organic when you can, rinse it off really well. But again, these things are grown in soil that it's you really can't it. rinse off. Yeah. yeah. It's just like coffee. You're not going to, you can't rinse coffee off. The premise of it is to run it under hot water to get coffee. So you just make the choices that make the most sense for you. So I would say removing the food sources is one thing that you want to be mindful of. With the decimation of your gut microbiome, you're going to want to do things that help build up the gut microbiome. You're talking about glyphosate. It's meant to kill bacteria. It's an antibiotic that they're using on weeds. So you want to rebuild the gut. You want to support the good gut microbiome. You can do this through fermented foods. This could be anything from kombucha to kefir, whether that's water or milk, whatever your tolerance are, you're going to, by having a broad spectrum variety of different vegetables, you're going to be able to get some of those prebiotics, same with fruits. So I really think a real whole food diet, but 
avoiding the glyphosate rich ones is the mm-hmm. what you're aiming for. And increasing fiber to that point yes. from fruits and vegetables can help clear things out, support detox and bind some of this stuff up. Supplement wise too, I know this ion biome used to be called Restore. It's a supplement that's out there that is made actually, it's like this mineral water f- the minerals are from this like 60 million year old soil that there's study that they have done studies to show that it can be helpful to repairing the tight junctions of your gut, similar to all the things that Andrea just said, but there's a supplement out there that can be helpful, but anything you can do to support bacterial diversity and support gut health, butyrate, one specifically that comes to mind, the short chain fatty acid, which helps repair soil based probiotics. Yeah, great. Soil based probiotics can be another one to consider. Glutathione. Yeah. So glutathione is a great thing to point out here because we know that glyphosate will create deficiencies in glutathione. It works on these sulfur pathways and inhibits the production of glutathione. So supplementing with liposomal glutathione, eating sulfur-rich foods, which will help produce glutathione. So looking at that, whey protein powder can also increase glutathione levels as well. Good to good point there. Yeah. And if you want to, with elimination, you have to think about bowels and obviously urinating. So you want to be drinking a ton of clean drinking water, helping your body clear, getting this out of your system. You also can use binders. There's different charcoal supplements that you can use out there that are going to help bind and pull things through a bowel movement. And that's just going to help facilitate that bowel function and clearing that you want to work on. And along those lines, you can even focus on things like magnesium. Again, it's going to help with overall gut motility and helping your body clear more efficiently as well. You don't want to get backed up with these toxins. You don't want to be pushing them out and then your body not being able to get rid of them. So I would say those are some key sources of things that we do. Removing the source, focusing on nutrient-dense foods that are also super gut healing, and then supplementing with the things that you know that you can supplement Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. And this sulfur-rich foods that I mentioned, again, you can supplement with glutathione, which I would consider to do. You can get glutathione precursors like N-acetylcysteine that can be helpful from there. And sulfur-rich foods like garlic, specifics if you want foods to cook with and eat garlic leeks onions scallions shallots these are sulfur rich vegetables cruciferous vegetables Vegetables. like brussels sprouts broccoli cabbage cauliflower kale uh, radishes but even not just plants uh meat like egg that's why it smell eggs smell the way they do it's the sulfur (laughs) compounds yes meat and seafood yes Uh, organ meats are rich with sulfur shellfish and seafood are rich with sulfur as well so, which even organ meats are going to have B vitamins as well, which a lot of people that we see with impaired detox function have impaired methylation function. So these foods have more than one purpose. And that's why food is medicine and why we layer it in the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Sexual wellness is essential for total wellness. And something that we look at all the time with our patients is supporting sexual wellness and, and hormonal health and all that comes with it from the outside in and the inside out as we're optimizing somebody's overall wellness. Foria has been a game changer for my patients in optimizing their sexual wellness. So if you're looking for the perfect gift for Valentine's Day or an upcoming anniversary celebration, you have to check out Foria. Foria has bottled desire, deep connection, and that can't keep our hands off each other feeling in their award-winning intimacy formulas. Each formula 
is a gift and experience rolled into one that will result in an enchanted evening. So who is Foria? Foria is here to help you have really good sex and more of it. That kind that makes you feel nourished and fully alive. They make life-changing, all-natural, organic formulas for your most intimate needs. Foria has a serious cult following with tens of thousands of people who have had their sex lives transformed through using their products. Awaken uses CBD and warming, sensation-inducing organic botanicals that enhance arousal, sensitivity, pleasure, and help with any discomfort. So yes, you have my permission, my functional medicine permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself or your partner this Valentine's Day or anniversary or any day, because guess what? Any day is a good day to optimize your sexual wellness. Experience that can't keep our hands off each other feeling with the bottle of Foria. Experience deeper, fuller pleasure now. Foria is offering a special deal for the Art of Being Well listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash willcole or use code willcole at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash willcole foriawellness.com forward slash Will Cole for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their Awaken Arousal Oil and Sex Oil. You'll thank me later. Glyphosate really, as we keep mentioning, really decimates the gut microbiome. It also acts like a chelator of certain minerals or depletes minerals. One specifically that binds very specifically a nutrient that can help with this is manganese, which a lot of people are not aware of that I wanted to highlight. Manganese deficiency is linked to a wide range of health effects, including mitochondrial function. These people have mitochondrial dysfunction, which impacts your mood and energy levels. It impacts things like brain fog and fatigue. It impacts things like that neuroinflammation that I talked about, the Journal of Neuroinflammation study. So specifically manganese rich foods, tea, making sure it's organic, of course, cloves, mussels, molasses, like sweetening things up with a little molasses has manganese. Oh, good AIP rich molasses cookie. <laughs> yeah, delicious. so make sure they're organically sourced, of course. But we know there have been studies that show that Roundup depletes manganese levels, and we need to have this. And if you're thinking along the lines of what this caused, because again, the whole gut brain axis, you know, mind body connection. There is a lot of depression, anxiety, and other stressors correlated to this. So even if you want to do mitochondrial support, CoQ10 is mm -hmm. fantastic for something like that. So not only is it going to help on a mitochondrial level, it's going to give you that brain support that you're looking for while your body is healing and clearing the glyphosate. Yeah. And going back to cellular energy production, we know that glyphosate and other environmental toxins impacts mitochondria. Sticking with that, another thing that comes to mind we mentioned manganese, we mentioned these B vitamins, we mentioned CoQ10 is NAD precursors. So nicotinamide riboside, nicotinamide mononucleotides, so either NR or NMN are different basically forms of B vitamins that will help with NAD levels, which we need, all of us need more as we're aging. But people that have things that accelerate our aging, like toxins like glyphosate, uh, we need to support that even more. So consider those as well. Caveat, do you need all of these things? Not necessarily. We don't want to add to your supplement graveyard people, but these are just, what is the research showing? I want you to just educate you and empower you, do further research and see what tools maybe 
you haven't experimented with or haven't leaned into. But what we're able to do on a clinical level is really curate and customize a protocol specific to you in your case, because more isn't always better. No. So we're just throwing out some ideas, not to say that you need all of them. So that's some ideas. And then we didn't mention this before we move over to, to the feeling side of things is sweating. Oh, yes. So make sure you're sweating. So whether that's a sauna, infrared sauna, exercise, exercise, Epsom Epsom salt bath. Yeah. Sweat. And and that's along the lines I was talking about. You you can urinate so much. You can have so many bowel movements and you can sweat. You're going to help your body really start clearing things if you're focusing on all those areas. Yeah. So with that said, let's, we went from the physiological side. Now let's go to the psychological side. So somebody's has higher levels of glyphosate in their body. It's impacting neuroinflammation levels in their body. Maybe it's impacting the gut brain axis because of what it does to our mm-hmm. gut microbiome. What are some things we can do to be supportive on this journey of healing, Candice? Yeah, we see a lot of anxiety, right? That's one of, the, I think, the chief complaints that we get, we see in patients. And mm-hmm. so really getting to a place where you are able to support in a safe way your nervous system and then release. So this is a somatic practice. I'm going to see if Andrea, are you willing to try it? I will try it. Um, this is a containment practice because well, it's that meant sounds scary. To your, <laughs> it does sound scary. <laughs> Containing in creating a safe container, creating a space where you're able to feel safe as you process feelings. So it's a little bit of a pendulation practice as well, but it's the the pendulation in the somatic world is also a a containment experience as well. So we want to be able to go from feelings of constriction to feelings of expansion, but we're going to do this with a physical component. Again, I love these physical component practices because with when you have anxiety, one of the hardest things we always share for somebody to do is breath work. Mm-hmm. We want people to do these practices regularly. And one of the barriers is, is it something that you will do? So we'll say it over and over again. This one gives movement to the breathing exercise. So you're going to start with your hands this far apart. You close your eyes. So I was about uh, four to five inches. She's like holding an imaginary ball in front of her. And then as you inhale, you're going to expand your arms outward. And then as you exhale, you're going to bring it back in. And I'm going to guide Andrea a little bit here. It doesn't matter how far your arms go. You're going to kind of feel what your body's saying. How far out do your arms need to go whenever you're expanding? And she's on the exhalation, she's bringing it in. We're going to give Andrea a couple of seconds to just feel what this is like, even in this odd container of a podcast that we're doing. And do like three more, Andrea. And then we're going to check back with her and see what she felt so we can kind of process and integrate the experience that she's having. Okay, coming back. So odd container, I know, but did you (laughs) feel anything when you did that practice? Yeah, I, I'm currently working on this because you got to practice what you preach and I, being centered and doing that. I'm not a great sitter and breather because mm-hmm. I can get easily distracted, not because I'm even a stress response, just a planner by nature. Yeah. So for me, having something physically to do, I have to be focused on what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So I mm-hmm. did find that it was easier for me to focus with on the breathing. I felt that I didn't feel I needed to go super far. It almost felt like my body was telling me naturally where to be guided to. I was just allowing my arms to move as I was breathing and then bringing them back as I exhaled. So I definitely, it almost felt 
lighter. I don't know how to explain it. Like my body just felt almost like I was centering my breath and being able to help push it out. So it gave me a focus and a focal point and it helped me feel like I was releasing breath, but tension. At the same time. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And doing this as many, again, probably about three times a day, if you can fit it in, because this can take one minute to do. So doing it three or four times a day shouldn't be that difficult. (laughs) It's just a matter of like setting the reminder on your phone or stacking it with another habit. Like maybe whenever you check a certain email inbox, that first one, I know you check several, maybe (laughs) it's that first one and you go, okay, I'm going to take a minute as I'm, you know, right before I check that using those cues and moving forward. But what would be interesting to me is if you did this for a week and then report back, how did your body speak to you at different times? Because that's our body is taking in information all of the time and it processes it, right? But we don't very often give the body a chance to express, move and speak back to us in a conscious way. That's what these somatic practices do. Mm-hmm. And I had to say this clinically, the people that are the most consistent with those practices, yes, it enables us to do everything we have to do physiologically a lot more unimpededly. Yes. Because their nervous system's more supportive in the parasympathetic way. So it's, okay, the roadblocks, because it's not, again, these things don't happen in a vacuum. They may have other things beyond glyphosate and they do have other things beyond this. So it's like, all right, let's create as much of resilience, as much of a congruent environment, both on the physical and a mental, emotional, spiritual to move towards healing. Yeah. I think of it as like almost the safety to safely remove things from the That's body. And it's, and it's, it. it's such a parallel to like when you're saying that, you know, fiber and everything facilitates moving these things out. It's the same thing. Right. It's just yes. on the mental health these side. Are, these are metaphysical fiber. Yes. To allow the clearance of that. things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's your, if your body's in this sort of, I'm threatened and I'm going to hold on to things, that also is holding on to environmental toxins or it's you're slowing down your body's ability to clear it. Well, your body can't distinguish between physical and emotional stress. It just knows it's a stress. And so until you are able not to perfect your life, but to be able to allow your body to know it's safe enough to start this process, you are going to inhibit it. Not that you can't heal. We're not saying that if you don't spend five (laughs) minutes a day doing breathing exercises, you're going to fail at healing your body. But- are you giving your body the best chance? And Candace, you see this all the time in our clinic. I mean, how often do you think someone tells us, wow, I thought you guys were kind of crazy, but now that I'm doing it, I like there's breakthroughs in all parts of my life. Yes. We hear that probably every day, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's our most successful patients are the ones that are able to adopt these things and move forward. Christy on the patient team, she told me this morning in the coaches call with me. She said, if we could see, like we should, not that we do this, but if you could see the first visit via Zoom versus the last (laughs) visit on Zoom, she said the light in their life, like is so different just in how they feel like their skin glowing, their energy, like ambiance around them, the aura around them is just like, wow. And that's because they're dealing with both, with sides, both sides, the gut and the feelings. Because it's not always just weight. People think, oh, you look different means you must weigh different. That's not Mm-mm. true. You can look at a patient that 
they just have light in their eyes. There's a vibrancy. They're more alert. They're able to engage with you where sometimes people are super closed off. So by doing these breathing exercises, these somatic therapies, you're opening your body's ability to be able to absorb more because you're breaking down barriers that you've probably unintentionally used to protect yourself for a long time. And you can't see. So what we know is when the nervous system is dysregulated, it's literally like a fog over your experience. It colors everything because the body is like, the world is unsafe. The world is unsafe. However, you got that message early on in your nervous system, you will filter everything through it, but really not even realize it at all. You know, and I've experienced this in my healing where I've just recently, I looked around at, at something and I was like, oh my goodness, I think I've been seeing this under a completely different lens for a very long time because I've started to go really deep into the somatic work and there's more release, that veil is lifting. So it's opportunities. It's like opening up a window and letting the light in. Some of the light that I think we see in patients is they are now open to all of these different opportunities and choices that they didn't have before. And that wasn't their fault. No. And and that's the whole thing too, is you have to give yourself grace during this situation. If you come into this and, oh, I've been so closed off. It's my fault. You're creating, you're perpetuating that cycle. You have to release the guilt of it. You have to release the shame of it and realize that you have to start somewhere, even if it's just a minute, three times a day. And Mm -hmm. if you tell me you don't have three minutes a day, I would love to pick up your cell phone and look at your time stamps in there and how much time (laughs) you spend on YouTube before you tell or Instagram or at night. So these are things that we can... Candace is talking about and how we're correlating it with the health is very doable, very reasonable, mm-hmm. and can make big strides in your health. But we come alongside people too. And that's what I think is like, we don't just say, oh, just do this blanket mindfulness. Like we coach them through that process yeah, too. And that's what's really them. unique about us clinically as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we are. We are really, and we're finding a way that works for them. Yes. Like if something doesn't resonate with them, okay, it doesn't mean it's, this is all or nothing. Let's find a way that works for you. Keep stay consistent with it. And you know, what you said is really true of like, just perception is reality for people and people don't even realize they're seeing through the pain that they're of their past of unresolved trauma or the inflammation from the glyphosate in recent, at the end of this conversation, at the end of every mental health is physical health episode, you're going to get a special intimate conversation with one of our telehealth patients. You don't just hear the clinical side, you hear the personal side Mm -hmm. of people that do the things we just talked about in this episode. So stay tuned for that. But in a recent one, I talked to Jennifer and she said the same thing, which I found is interesting. She said, she said, this is kind of personal, but I was always, before I met you, I was getting in fights with my husband Mm -hmm. and she's like, I didn't know why we just were not getting along. And like, I was constantly at war with him. And then I realized, whoa, it was X, Y, and Z on my labs. And when I dealt with that, it's like, there was nothing actually wrong with us. I just was so seeing through these things. Mm-hmm. And there's so much trauma. grace in that too, right? Yeah. There's a lot of healing, just an understanding that was never her. That was never her. Yeah. Yeah. So go back and listen to the episode. It was a previous mental health is physical health episode. If you haven't checked that out, Jennifer's conversation was really powerful. I love her. She's so Just sweet. want to throw that out there. Jen, if you're listening to this, Andrea loves you. <laughs> love notes from We Andrea. love all of our patients at the end. Oh, and we love this patient too. So I guess we can, if you want to learn more about the clinical work here, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, gut feelings, which I talk about all the somatic stuff and the gut brain access, definitely check that out. It's for pre-order right now. Just go to drwillcool.com. You get tons of free stuff when you pre-order gut feelings. And before we go, I have a special conversation right now for you to listen to from one of our patients. 
Liz, thank you so much for taking the time out and chatting with me. Thank you for having me. It is humbling and I am very grateful. Thank you. And I I want to preface this conversation with, like, I thought this was understood, but I was a video I posted a while ago. It was with Cameron Diaz. She was on the podcast to talk about her organic wine company. And we were just talking about the alcohol industry and her own health journey. And she talked about working with us and someone commented and said like, oh, how much do you pay people to talk about their health journey? And we have everyday regular patients around the country. We have some people that people would recognize, some people are not just telling their journey because it's the health journey that I'm really interested in. And I thought like, well, I didn't even think about that. Like no one pay, I don't pay anybody to tell their health journey. That's not a thing here. I'm just talking to people that I care about, about their health journey. And you're no exception to that. So I wanted to preface that for people that are hearing this conversation. I really love hearing and sharing stories because research is really clear. I mean, hearing stories, telling stories metabolizes trauma and the trauma of going through a health problem, mystery health problem, as many people are labeled, right? Chronic fatigue syndrome, autoimmune issues, different health issues, right? Those are my people. So thank you as one of my patients and people that I get. It's a sacred responsibility for me to be a part of your health journey. Thanks for coming on and sharing your journey. Thank you. I hope it helps somebody else. Like hearing all the people that you talk to has helped me. I mean, that's the whole reason I reached out to you to start with anyway, is I couldn't avoid you. Not that I was trying, but I kept seeing, you know, there's this Dr. Will Cole on social media and you were on the Goop podcast and then you had the Goop Men podcast for a while. And yeah, all the stories from all the people helped me realize how much I needed healing in ways that I didn't know. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. So whatever you're comfortable with sharing, let's start at the beginning. Let's go way back because we've been, I mean, anybody that's in what we do, because it is such a sacred responsibility, we get to know you very well. You become part of our extended family and friends. And even, I mean, if you personally, when you were traveling around the country, you stopped by the clinic. You've always been telehealth, of course, but we get to see your kids and your husband. I mean, thank you for stopping it. So take us back in time when we first met, give people a lens into what you're going through. Side note, my daughters think you're the coolest person ever. And when we travel back across the country, they can't wait to stop back in and see you again. So heads up for that. I'll bring tea next time hey. and everything will be fine. <laughs> she, I remember you, one of your daughters gave me like the biggest hug. She was so sweet. They're, well, I'm way biased, but they're amazing. So if you asked me almost three years ago, when I first like met you and we kind of started this, I would have said then that's when it started because, you know, like humaning is hard. Time is trippy. Right. And so like, you just know what you know, when you know it, and you only know what you know in the moment you're in. So we're all doing the best we can at that like split second. And for me, I've had a lot of trauma in my life, which I never actually like thought of as trauma. And I think, you know, we always have these like huge amounts of environmental circumstances, millions, billions of moments that make us who we are, that give us our bias. And so I kind of got used to being like, oh, that's just this. I can suck it up and not worry about this. Or so what that I've had multiple toxic relationships or I've suffered abuse or I've been in combat. I've been in scary combat. You know, I've had 
failed marriage. I've had failed relationships, bad whatevers, right? You, that's life, right? You're supposed to hashtag that, you know, living or find the joy in the positive or something. And I didn't realize until I think it was Megan. And if it was Andrea or Emily, shout out to all. But in one (laughs) of my team, your team is amazing. All the amazing. Glennon Doyle recently called it the messy middle. And you guys have been with me in the messy middle for three years. And I, I couldn't have picked a better group of people to be in the messy middle with. But Megan said that you have cups, you know, and you have a tolerance for a certain amount. And so I thought I was doing great. Like I thought I was just, I had all my cups were fine and everything was great until one day. And my husband was about to deploy for a year. And I always prayed outside my girls' rooms after I tuck them in, but I am literally on the floor on my hands and knees and I'm sobbing and I'm like shaking with this fear of, I feel so awful. Like every part of my body aches and hurts and I can't catch my breath and he's going to be gone for a year. And I have two babies and it's, there's this thing people are talking about that might become a pandemic. And like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I've always been a very faithful person. I think I've walked closer with God as I, I have my relationship with, sometimes closer than others, other times. But I, I really felt scared. And I've never felt personally anxiety. And I've never felt depression. Despite almost 40 years at that time of, I can't say bad words, bad things. I hadn't felt that. And so I would have said that moment, that moment of my body was failing in every way. You know, I would be six months pregnant, feeling like and bloated after drinking water. I was having hives. I had rashes all over my body. Nothing was, well, it's you. So you don't care about talking about poop, but nothing was regular, (laughs) right? You know, like in migraines, I had a simple neuralgia. My eyesight was going, you know, ringing in my ears. I think I even said on your initial thing that I wasn't losing the hair in my eyebrows. It wasn't until it grew back that I realized I actually didn't have hair on the outside one third of my eyebrows, like all these things. And my joints just really ached. Like it hurt to get up. I felt like my mom's 30 years older than me. And I felt like I was older than her. That would have been the moment I said that that's when it started. But through you, I realized there's never a moment that it starts, right? Like where it's always becoming, it's always growing, it's always manifesting, it's always in flux and it's always fluid. So it was a series of all the things that I didn't actually fully process or acknowledge were physically happening to my body at the time that they were happening because I gaslit myself because everybody gaslights you, you know? So then you start to doubt your sanity. That's probably a long explanation. Maybe it resonates. It's a hundred percent resonates with me. And I know my, the the, rest of us, right. That listen to this podcast, the best of our people, it'll resonate with them too. It happens all the time. There's medical gaslighting. And then that's the nature of gaslighting. Then you start to second guess yourself. Oh yeah, right. It's not that bad. Or you delegitimize yourself because it was first done to you. So going to that point, do you remember like for your journey specifically and for most people, but for you specifically, I would say your health journey, it hasn't been easy. I don't want to sugarcoat this. And it's been this, but yet it's been this beautiful unfolding and deepening of your healing over the course of this time. 
and it's been nonlinear as most healing is. So was there anything when you when we went over the labs or subsequent labs that was the most shocking, the most surprising for you personally? Proof that it, I was screwed up. I mean that in the nice way. Like I'm great. I'm wonderful. The me and me sees the you and you and we're all beautiful humans, right? But like my body was really suffering and struggling. And the fact that it was even functioning as well as it was, was like, pat on the back, go you. I think it was interesting in my case, because, you know, with an engineering background, right? Like you collect as much data from an analytical standpoint as you can before you're going to like sift through it. And then you have a starting point. And I'm a pretty diligent patient. I mean, I don't want to like say something that might not be true, but like, if you tell me to do something, I do it. Even when I might be, I might need a beat to take a breath and be like, sure. I'm so excited to just eat meat. It's going to be awesome. Even though I really loved being vegan, but that's fine. And it was actually super healing. It wasn't until I was doing all the things we were doing all the things. And it was like, no headway, like a little around a year in. And you guys were like, I think we should test mold. And for me, that was a real turning point because my numbers were apparently off the charts. They were super high. I think again, it was Megan, but was like, we've like never really seen numbers like this. Like this isn't, it would have been high if it was half of this. And this is, and like Liz, it's okay that you're having all these mental components to this, like the anxiety, all these things that I was like, why can't I, like I bone broth, Dr. Cole, I have souped, I have all the things. What can I be doing? I am, I can, like, there's all the wellness practices, right? Like you meditate and there's the gua sha and the dry brushing and the, all the things, but we weren't making headway. And I think that for me, it was a real important lesson to know that Sometimes you can be missing that like one little thing. And then once you guys found that, and once we moved, <laughs> traveled across the country and we're no longer in that environment, a little pin that I'm mildly nervous that we're going to move back there and that I will, like, I might be allergic to where the state instead of <laughs> like <laughs> the house, but that's okay. I mean, that's not a big deal. It's not like my husband's livelihood depends on where we live or, or anything. Fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll deal with that when we have to get to it. Um, yeah. But that mold number being so high and having that validation with, oh man, like I think we actually have a root cause. We have something we can sink our teeth into. And then the drops being able to not just be at like one or two. And then all of a sudden I'm at like where you really wanted me on the drops and like, oh my goodness, I can take binders. Um and understanding that like the drops are like a Swiffer, you, they kind of like brush all the dust off and then the binder comes in like your vacuum and sucks it up. And then you throw all that junk in the trash because you don't need it in your house, you know? And being able to do that is, that was a big turning point for me when it came to my labs, seeing that initial, oh my gosh, they're really high. And then recently, like a couple months ago, they're like half and only a couple months later, that was a big deal. Yeah, it's huge. And just for context for people, when we talked about talk about drops and binder, and these are aspects of a protocol. And to your point, there's a lot of bioindividuality with the titration and the dosing of these. And you would have Herxheimer or detox responses when we tried to increase them. And that's multifactorial as far as the reasons why. But you're through some shifts in your protocol, we're able to more unimpededly 
get to where we want to be dose wise. So, I mean, what would you say to somebody out there that's going through that quote unquote mystery illness that kind of is falling through the cracks? There's a lot of medical gaslighting for them. What would you say to somebody out there that is in the throes of it? I'm sorry. I see you and I put you on my heart. I lift you up. I'll pray for you. Um, I'm really sorry. And like your healing is coming and I can't promise you when or how, and that's really crappy and I'm sorry, but that it is coming and that you're just, there's just this one little piece that you haven't found yet because it's not quite time yet and it, it'll come. And to try to, you can't always be happy. Like that's a, fallacy. You just did a podcast actually on happiness. So like, I know I shouldn't disagree with this really (laughs) famous doctor, Dr. Amen, but like, I personally don't think you can always be happy, but I do think that you can always find the ability to give yourself grace and create joy. And so even in the really, he did say on that podcast, even on the darkest day, like the day that he lost his dad, finding joy in that day, no matter how small, helps keep the light on for hope and faith in yourself and your purpose. And one, when I was going through it, my dearest friend, she's my, she's my non-sister sister. She's my sister. I love her amazingly, like all the much. She asked me if I've ever heard of Kintsugi, K. K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Have you heard of it? You probably have. Yes. Yeah, because you're like yes. super smart and all this stuff. Anyway, so <laughs> for those that don't know, so if you, I think it's Japanese, if you drop a piece of porcelain and it breaks and you look at it and all you see is a broken bowl that holds nothing, they painstakingly, carefully, with precision and love, put it back together. And all of the cracks are not filled with more plaster that makes it look like a brick wall which is helpful, but not the same. They fill it with gold. And I think in your brokenness, in those times when you feel empty and hopeless and sad and confused and worried and just maybe just scared, the crack in you just lets your light out. It doesn't stop your light. It lets you shine brighter. And over time, you will be able to rebuild yourself and all those cracks get filled with gold. And you're just an even better bowl when you're done, you know, or whatever you want to be. You could be a vase, something fancy. I'll be a coffee cup because I do like coffee. (laughs) I'll be a tea mug. Of course you will. I would expect nothing less. (laughs) Yes. Very on brand. Yeah. So that is beautiful. I mean, honestly, like I, as I, there's a saying and it's kind of along the same lines, but like out of the greatest darkness is the opportunity and propensity for the greatest light. And the conversations and just sort of the deep richness of the space in which you speak tells the story that you've been through. Because people that go through the light stuff cannot speak with the resonance that you're speaking from, cannot speak from the sacredness that you're speaking from, which is powerful. Honestly, these conversations that I get to have with my patients at the end of these episodes are some of my favorite because A, they're people that I love and know very well, but B, it's because there's such a holiness almost to the pain, to the purpose and sort of seeing and the knowingness behind it and the wisdom behind it. Did you like, I mean, I don't know. Did you expect all of those lessons through it in hindsight? Um, I think having been some, having been a person that has had 
now knowing through therapy and self-reflection and physical healing, understanding more of the mental healing that comes with physical healing. And then the physical healing goes to mental healing. It's not, it's not one or the other. It's not, there's never this ta-da moment where you're fully better and great and amazing and wonderful. It's just this constant, you mentioned unfolding and growth evolving. I think, I think I, I've always been able to find a positive. I think I'm a pretty positive person. That same sister tells me I'm some weird combination of like Princess Anna from Frozen and like Pinkie Pie from the My Little Ponies. (laughs) And if you actually do know me, I am very, and maybe a little poppy from Trolls. Can you tell that I have a six and eight year old (laughs) girl? Your references are DreamWorks (laughs) and Pixar. (laughs) Don't ask me what books I've read. It's been like the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse, which is amazing for all ages, by the way, but still. So I think that because I've, because I have a strong faith, even when it has morphed and grown in the way that my relationship with what I call who I call God, because it's different for everybody. Truth is truth, but we all have our own path to it. I think being able to always be faithful and always find the joy has let me, I like to say, you can always sprinkle grace and joy around like confetti and glitter. And when you do that, you start to be able to see the beauty in it too. And then that helps other people see the beauty of it. And I don't know, it has an additive effect. That makes any sort of sense. 100%. So where are you at? You've touched upon it, but where are you at now versus where you were when we first met? So today, this is like a big deal. So I'll drum roll it. I hit 100 on my Peloton for rides. I mean, I've never, I don't know that more privileged words have ever come out of my mouth. So I'm sorry for that. (laughs) And also I love me, Allie Love, like shout out to her. She's like so full of light and love and she's just awesome. And today I had my hundredth ride with her and it literally brought me to tears as I was like wiping my face on my shirt and like Mm -hmm. exhausted as I thought, you know, the math person in me was like 365 days in a year. Even if I do that, like every other day, of course, I'm going to be able to do that. But you and I know that there were days I couldn't get up. There were days that I was in my floor, in my kitchen with my husband gone and my sister friend, my sister, like praying over me. There are days that sent me to the emergency room because my heart rate, because of the mold being so high, had dropped to below 40 and wouldn't pop up. And I was having numbness and tingling and thinking I was having a heart attack. And like, while I believe that there is literally no end to anything to include death, like also I don't really want to die tomorrow. And then to go from that, that still finding joy, still go pick apples when you can, whatever, to I just rode my Peloton and hit a hundred rides. Amazing. When you can't walk without moving or you can't move without pain, you can't walk without pain. You can't eat anything to, I hit a hundred rides. I ate blueberries the other day and didn't have a reaction with my steak, mind you, with my ribeye, but I did eat blueberries (laughs) and I had honey in my tea. Do you know what I mean? It's like those little things that you, that just realize how far you've Come and that also make you feel normal again. I mean, I know we're all special snowflakes and yay, yay. But also sometimes you just want to be a snowflake in the pile of snow, you know? (laughs) Yes. Amen. I hear you. 
And I mean, what you're touching on for people, again, backstory, context, knowing you and knowing m- most of our patients is when they meet us, they're having reactions to many types of foods. They're in horrible fatigue, pain sometimes, and they don't have the energy to do the things they want to do or know they need to do. And they, yes, so, and they, ha- and they want to enjoy food. And these things that are like, so, so many of us take for granted when you don't have it, it is so special when you regain it. So I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm proud of you. You, even in the three years I've known you, I've gotten to watch, I mean, maybe I'm not supposed to say this because you're supposed to be interviewing me, but like not to turn the tables, but like (laughs) I've watched you grow. Like I've watched your clinic grow. You know, I've, I've watched you release multiple books, which I have on the shelves over there, rainbow organized because joy, but like, I've watched you release new books. I've watched you. I'm waiting for my next one. Very excited about the whole gut brain thing. Just a plug for your amazing work. And, gut feelings. And your Thank you so yeah, much. Thank so excited. You. But I've, I've watched you change your model at the clinic to be able to reach out to new people. I've watched you change even how I can order my supplements to empower me as a patient. And you guys have had a lot of growth in even the time I've known you. And you guys have never, ever wavered in your presence, your being with the patient that you're with, you know, and your kindness. And it's just really nice to know people that see you and care about you and trust you and value you. You know, at the end of the day, that's all what we want. We all want that no matter where we are. You may be grateful for your patients, but I cannot imagine a single one of your patients not saying the very same thing about each and every one of you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. That means so much. Honestly, that's why we love it so much. It's such a special time, a special process to be a part of. And that really means the, the world to me. So thank you. And I don't want to skip over the fact you mentioned your engineering background. That almost every, and I say this all the time, but our top patient base profession-wise are school teachers, engineering background people, and people in the healthcare space. And I think every patient I've had at the end of these episodes was at the last one was school teacher. We've had engineers. It's, I don't know what it is. It's like, there's this common love of spreadsheets, getting to the root cause and like organization in the best of ways. I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, we did bond a little bit over Excel, I think, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a love. We're language. very different, just, like Enneagrams and all of that. Yes. But we did. What, what Enneagram over. are you? I'm a two wing one, which is probably oh. not surprising. The one makes yeah. me love the spreadsheets and the office supplies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, two wing one, that Holly, who's on the podcast, who's the friend is of the also, clinic, she's a two. Yeah. And Andrea's an Enneagram one. Yeah. Which is amazing, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is so cool. Yeah. My friend, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It really means so much to me. Thank you for having me. I'm sending all my light and love to everybody out there. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.